ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 114th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsports.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items, as well as the event of my week that, uh, that I attended. And also in a few minutes, we will be joined by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of this week was Jason Duffner winning the PGA Tournament, the final major of the year. Uh, for you listeners who tuned in last Friday, I talked about uh, the bad weather here in Boston, how I was looking forward to settling in to watch the second round of the PGA, and lo and behold, what did I get to witness but the lowest round ever at Oak Hill in Rochester by Jason Duffner. Shot a 63, it was amazing, and on the 18th green, he had a chance to make a putt, reasonable length, 10, 20 feet, whatever, that had he made it would have been the lowest round ever in the history of a major. Would have been a 62. As it was, he finished with the 63, obviously did not make the putt, came close, and uh, and tied again with 24 others for the lowest round ever in a major but did break the course record. So it was just a great setup for the weekend. He rode that momentum right through till Sunday, just playing basically flawless golf. And Jason Duffner has been knocking on the door. I and mean, certainly we all remember two years ago, he had a five shot lead with four or five holes remaining in the very same PGA tournament. Uh, but let it slip away and open the door and Keegan Bradley walked right on through and got his first major, and now he has been a fixture on the PGA Tour. Keegan Bradley has, as has Duffner, and just a likable guy. I've been in a couple of uh, his news conferences. I've seen him out on uh, the course on a number of tournaments that I've covered, and again, he is uh, what he appears to be, which is just very low-key, likable, gracious, and uh, affable. So it was just great to see him break through and win a major. Uh, it won't be his last, that's for sure. He's a serious talent. My low light of the week is the breaking news just within the past hour or two of media reports that say that A-Rod's camp, as they like to call it, uh, apparently released some biogenesis uh, information on 
other players, specifically Ryan Braun, among others. And uh, so it's just setting a new low for what is already a very low life situation. Uh, it's just a sleazy story that just seems to get sleazier by the day and has really, really, you know, taking uh, baseball down a notch, which is just sad to see. It's, uh, you know, dominating the headlines while the pennant races, which should be really dominating the headlines as we get into late August, uh, are obviously taking a back seat. So we'll see where this story goes. Uh, as I said last week, the fact that A-Rod played on the very day that he was suspended because he appealed the suspension was just, uh, you know, showed the total hypocrisy of this situation. And uh, again, it is just, you know, the continuing saga of the steroid era that's now stretching into, you know, 15 years plus. So it's just, uh, it's getting old. Don't know how else to say it. My bizarre story of the week is simply the breathless media coverage of various NFL players. Of course, I'm right here in Boston, so when Tom Brady went down and uh, grabbed his knee, it was just uh, New England collectively held its breath. But to see the coverage, you know, where I started getting breaking news alerts on my iPhone, it's been the lead story on the news ever since. First, the potential of an injury, then his quick recovery, and now... He is uh, apparently going to play tonight against Tampa Bay. I will be there. Gillette Stadium's 20 minutes from my house, so I'm excited to simply uh, get back uh, get back to the stadium, witness some NFL football. Maybe I'll see some Tebow time, but it sounds like I'm going to see some Brady time. But also, you know, you combine this coverage with, you know, the nonstop RG3 coverage of him going back and forth with Shanahan. Jadavian Clowney and Spurrier. Jadavian Clowney apparently uh, was, quote, hurt. And, you know, Spurrier mentioned something, and it just set the entire college football world uh, a Twitter, shall we say. And uh, and then, you know, Spurrier had to just correct it the next day. And so, again, it's just uh, the coverage is just clearly jumped up a significant level, even since last year. Uh, you know, uh, just a offhand remark by a Spurrier uh, or a Mike Shanahan or an RG3 or, you know, Brady going down. I mean, he's not a porcelain doll. He granted, you know, it's still football. He's a football player. And granted, he grabbed the knee that uh, was hurt at the first game of 2008, which I witnessed right in front of me. Uh, I get it. I get it, and I'm not questioning, you know, the importance of it, only just the, you know, nonstop, minute-to-minute coverage of it uh, has been, again, bizarre. My event of the week that I attended was the 113th U.S. Amateur Golf Tournament in Brookline, Massachusetts at the Country Club. Uh, just an amazing event. I've been in just about every day this week. Uh, put on by the USGA, United States Golf Association. Started with 312 golfers. They're now down to eight today in the quarterfinals. There'll be four tomorrow, and then 
the two finalists who will get invitations to the Masters and other majors next year just by making the finals on Sunday will be a 36-hole match play at the Country Club. So it will be awesome. And uh, just the opportunity to go and spend, you know, uh, a little bit of my day each day at the Country Club is a pleasure. Again, only about 20 minutes or so from my house. Brings back a lot of memories. Uh, I was at the Ryder Cup in 1999 every day like I am this week. And, uh, you know, to see them on the 17th green where I was last evening watching a great tour, a great pairing, uh, was, you know, amazing because that's of course is where Justin Leonard, uh, made the famous putt to win the Ryder cup in 1999 and what at the time was the greatest comeback ever. A lot of great storylines developing the, the match that I watched last night was 17-year-old kid from Texas, Scotty Scheffler, coming back from 2-3 down with just 2 or 3 to go to tie and then win the match uh, into the early evening. So it was just uh, riveting, riveting golf. And the thing that makes this just so interesting is that, you know, futures are being made and decided uh, with these kids, you know, the ages range from like literally age 14 up until about 27 years old. And, uh, again, these, these kids, most of them are in college. A lot of them, it's now open to an international field. So there's kids from England and, uh, Australia, just all over the world competing, of course, with Americans so it's really got a nice international flavor to it. Um, but the pressure, uh, you know, when these kids are leaning over a putt, uh, is just remarkable to watch, to say the least. And uh, so, yeah, I've just enjoyed it immensely. Uh, sat in on an interview yesterday with Matt Fitzpatrick, who was a low amateur in the British Open. He's going to be a freshman at Northwestern. And just, uh, he, he looks like he's about 12, even though he's about 18 and, uh, you know, just a, really a charming guy to say the least. They're all very likable. Uh, golf is their life. And, uh, you know, he's in the quarterfinals as well today. And so, you know, the weather up here is perfect. It is the week of the summer to say the least. And, uh, so, yeah, it has just been absolutely uh, a fun week. And tomorrow, the semifinals, four golfers left, two matches. And then Sunday, uh, the final 36 holes, it will be on NBC from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time on Sunday. It's just going to be remarkable to watch. And uh, so, again, just a great take. It's, it's different. Uh, you know, than really any golf tournament I've ever covered. And I've covered a few of them. Uh, covered the USJ GA US Open, of course, at Marion in June. This is yet another USGA event, and it is just terrific. So, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, I just can't wait for the weekend. 
to do even more golf and have the pleasure of walking around the country club, the oldest, quote, country club in the United States, and uh, the 113th U.S. Amateur. It's going to be a great take. So now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Football and so much more is the focus of Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson. Join the former Arizona Cardinals running back for a show that mixes, well, a little bit of everything. Damian brings to the program life experiences playing football and will talk about his variety of successes both on and off the field. The goal is to provide you with a fun perspective on life, family, success, and of course, football. Tune in to Planet Gridiron with Damian Anderson, Fridays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Sports Channel. The job of a professional athlete is never complete. In Life After the Game, host Lamar Campbell will take an inside look at how athletes are making the transition from the professional athletics world to the professional business world. You'll understand the goals, motivations, and personalities that drive these players off the field and in their post-professional career. Tune in to Life After the Game with Lamar Campbell every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests on the line. And with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. Beautiful weather here the past couple of days. Couldn't have been any better. Isn't it just amazing? It is the week of the year of the summer here in New England. Every day is the 10. And uh, 
as you may have heard, uh, listening to my segment that, uh, I've had the, I'm having the pleasure, still not over, of attending the U.S. Amateur at the Country Club in Brookline, the golf tournament, and it is just, uh, awesome weather to be walking around the Country Club, which is an awesome place, so I feel very fortunate this week. Yeah, you should, John. That's a, it's a great tournament, and a, Unbelievable location and the weather you know, cooperated to the to the full extent. Yeah, it's it's really a great take. And speaking of great takes, uh, you had a great take last week, and uh, and you went to the Chicago Sky Connecticut Sun game last week, and uh, you got to see Elena Deladon. So. Uh, just one of the, quote, three to see in the WNBA. How did that go? Yeah, she was one of the players that I wanted to see, John, because, as you know, she had the concussion for the WNBA All-Star game, uh, you know, who I attended. And she's a fabulous talent with exceptional skills for someone of her height and her level of experience. You know, she's a rookie. And right away you could see she was, I think she, that day she made four or five three-pointers and, and her ball handling skills are phenomenal. Uh, one of the things that when you watch her play, she can get to the basket. But in the coming years, I think what will determine her level of greatness is will she improve her strength? Yes. And, uh, okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that's okay, John. And, uh, and, you know, some of the other players on Chicago, you know, Sylvia Fowles, who I consider the Hakeem Elijah on a women's basketball. I mean, she has those that, that footwork and defensive ability. She's a nightmare for anybody running the, the pick and roll for the, the opposing guard because she can, she can hang with you for a while in that perimeter and create a very difficult situation to make that pass in on the switch. Uh, so she's, she's a great player as well. And, and, of course, the Connecticut Sun, they have – one of the better post players in the game of basketball, Tina Charles, a former Connecticut star. Um, you know, they're lacking some talent around here right now because of injuries and other reasons. So I think she got, she was a little bit frustrated that evening, uh, you know, to play against Sylvia and just not have enough players around her to, to compete uh, that night. Wow. Well, I know you had a chance to talk to Elena Deladon. And uh, I think we have a clip here, so let's uh, let's listen to what she had to say after the game. I'm recording for Voice America Radio from the Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut. Our special guest is the sensational rookie from the University of Delaware, Elena Deladon. Thank you for spending a few minutes with us, Elena. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Elena, what's been some of the challenges you faced in the transition from college to pro? Um, definitely the travel. Um, it's a lot different than WNBA, you know. Obviously, it's a bit different than Delaware, where the ball was in my hands all the time. So um, those are probably the two biggest adjustments that I've had to make so far. Are you stronger and faster? Oh, yeah, of course. They're the best players in the world. So. And are you enjoying your time as a pro and all the demands? Um, yeah, I am. I'm getting used to that, too. So um, obviously, it's a little different with all the media and then, um, the appearances, things like that. But it's all part of being a pro, and I think that's what we're getting paid for, not the basketball part. 
tell some of the young players who want to be in your position down the road when you speak to them at clinics and so forth? Um, my biggest thing is um, don't let anyone pinpoint you to be what they think you should be. So I never let someone just put me on the block and say you have to be a five because I'm six five. So um, I always develop my guard skills and it's really helped me, um, obviously, in the pros, especially because the versatility is something that I can really fall back on. After playing about 18 or this your 19th game, maybe what have you learned about yourself? Um, I've learned, you know, that I'm able to kind of step up to different challenges because every game, I swear, it's completely different than the last one. So I'm able to kind of move on from the last game and be able to step up to the next challenge. And that's something that, as a rookie, I'm proud of because that can be difficult to do. You can get hung up on the past, and you just got to learn to move on and realize that the next game's coming and you got to prepare yourself. You're part of the Free to See marketing campaign by the WNBA. Do you feel that pressure? No, um, I don't because the pressure um, that I feel is always self-inflicted and it's always more than any pressure that anyone can put on me. So any pressure that I feel comes from myself. After this first season when you try to practice in the offseason, what is something you might concentrate on? Strength. I need to get a lot stronger. Terrific interview, AP. She just sounds very, very likable. Yeah, she she sure was, John. I really enjoyed that, and and you could tell. I think she's hungry to get better. I think that's what I came away with from from talking and, and watching her play. So yeah. So what was the the the, the setup? You you were able to like. Uh, obviously, we always do the locker room interviews when we cover the WNBA after the game. Was it was this, you know. Were you able to get together with her from a locker room interview, or did they have a press conference for her? Obviously, no, I, you were one-on-one. You know, John, I checked with uh, the trainer, and that's a person you always want to befriend because they're they're in the know. And I told her, I said, I sure would like to interview Elena, but I wanted to do it at her convenience. And she said that, well, she's out there right now shooting in the pregame uh, warm-ups, you know, an hour or so before the before the event started, so I said, she asked, I asked her what would be the most convenient time, and she said probably after the game. I said, well, great, I'll go out there and talk with her coach and some other people. And so after the game, when I went into the locker room, I was the first one, and so I just got to interview one-on-one right there. She's sitting on the bench in the locker room. Perfect. Wow. Well, great job. I mean, she is just a superstar. Uh, in the making, she already was one in college, and it's clear she's off to a great start as a professional. And you and I, in the past, you made the analogy with Larry Bird. Now that you saw her up close and personal, uh, what are your thoughts? Did she still remind you of Larry Bird in person? Yeah, she did, John. She really did. Uh, the way she moved and the way she had that stroke from the three-point line, 
I mean, she didn't need to, need to take the dribble. She just drew back and fired away, and she was hot that night. As I said, hit four or five, and she's you know very unpretentious. There's no diva attitude, and she's just trying to win basketball games and enjoy her season in the WNBA. Well, that's terrific. Uh, well, how was the energy? Because the sun, uh, you know, won a big game beating the Atlanta Dream the other night, uh, and they have not been having a good season. They're perennial playoff contenders and, you know, one of the best teams in the league, but this has not been a good year so far. But yet when they won on Wednesday, uh, you know, all the post-game comments of the coach, the players, uh, you know, reflected and talked about the high energy at the Connecticut Sun Arena, which is a great place to watch a game, to say the least, at Mohegan, Mohegan Sun. Uh, how was it when you were there on Friday night? Same? Yeah, they had a nice crowd, John. It's just that particular evening, you know, the star player for the Sun, uh, Tina Charles, I believe she was something like one for 14 or so in the first half. So, you know, they were searching for an offensive game. So, you know, they didn't have a very good evening, and they ended up getting beat by 16, you know, 77-61. But, you know, when you're watching the game of basketball and you don't see all the pieces in place, it's just, you know, it's frustrating for everybody, the coaching staff, the management, the players. So you hope next year, you know, they – all could come back and everyone's healthy and, and on, you know, have a full set of players. Well, wonderful. Uh, well, it's getting to be, you know, crunch time in WNBA, uh, as you know, their season basically ends in September. So if the sun are going to make a run, they need to put it together sooner rather than later. And, uh, you know, they're right on, right on the cusp, it seems. Uh, and again, they, they've had, you know, one of the better teams in the league the last number of years went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. But, uh, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, again, it's a great takedown there. And, uh, and again, a great interview with Elena Deladon, truly uh, uh, one of the stars of the league already and barely halfway, you know, just into uh, the end of her first season. So good job getting to talk to her one-on-one. Thank you very much, Dan. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. Well, excellent, AP. Well, we got lots more to catch up on, so why don't we take our break now, and we'll uh, cover some other topics on the uh, other side. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Ready for in-your-face sports? Want to talk about the topics that nobody else is willing to talk about? Either because they're too scared to touch them or just don't think it's the way to go. You're not going to be shy here. Tune in to Here's the Deal with Mega and Steel, featuring Ike Mega Griffin and Sydney Steel Justice. We've got the facts to back up the talk and invite you to join us every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern, just before the weekend on the Voice America Sports Channel. We tell it like it is. Are you a Philly sports fan? Maybe you're local to Philly, or you're a transplanted Philly fan. Either way, you want to check out Philly Sports Jabronis. It's a radio show that has nothing to do with Chicago sports. It's not about NYC, and L.A. can't even muster a football team of their own. 
It's all about Philly sports and nothing but Philly sports most of the time. Join your hosts, Mike Greger and Joe Dara, every Friday at 7 p.m. Philly time, 4 p.m. on the West Coast for the transplants on the Voice America Sports Channel. Want to experience football from the perspective of two former players who also have coaching experience? Tune in to Sports Info UM with Daryl Oliver and Sam Sword. We'll talk about the drafts, play-by-play, and even what's happening in the offseason. Daryl and Sam had the connections and the knowledge to bring you the inside stories of the game's past, present, and future. We'll cover the camps, on and off field, and everything else, football and beyond. Sports Info UM is heard Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. internet flagship station for sports voice america sports you're listening to all around sports with your host john inglesby become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144 that's 1-888-346-9144 or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net now Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And still on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And uh, A.P., I opened the show talking about Jason Duffner winning the PGA. You, of course, cover Alabama. Mm-hmm. And Jason Duffner is a well-known Auburn guy. Uh, and when last seen, he was walking by you and I at the Travelers Championship, uh, munching on an energy bar as he kind of ran to the first tee to tee off uh, during the Travelers Championship back in June in Connecticut. So, uh, yeah, so... What are your thoughts on Jason Duffner? I know that you're familiar with his career. Yeah, I was really, really, you know, happy for him, and he, he brought all that golf glory to the state of Alabama. They've been having some good success uh, this past year with some of the golfers from Alabama and, and Jason Duffner with Auburn, and uh, so I was glad to see him win. And he he actually went back to Auburn, brought that trophy back there, and wanted to celebrate with those folks. So good for him that he he didn't forget where he came from. Absolutely. And speaking of Alabama, uh, there are uh, some golfers in the U.S. Amateur this week from Alabama. I've seen the Big A a few times around the course. And, uh, and you know, I, of course, talked about it uh, in, my, in the opening segment that I'm attending and covering the U.S. Amateur and actually picked up a couple of sound bites. The first we're going to hear is with Neil Raymond, the number one seed, as we speak. He is one of eight golfers left out of 312 that began on Monday at the Country Club in Brookline. So here's uh, Neil Raymond from England, age 27, uh, one of the older uh, players in this amateur, uh, talking about what it's like to be the number one seed of such a large field. Uh, And being English. Uh, But no, I think, I mean, if I was playing and, and someone the number one seed, then you're always going to have your eye on them and, and you think, well, as soon as you come up against them, you've got nothing to lose because they've led the qualifying and they're playing quite a nice golf. So, yeah, everyone wants to beat anyone. Um, 
if you don't beat someone, you, you can't win the tournament. So you've just got to keep going, take take each game as it comes, um, and play the play you're playing on that day. And another one of the top amateurs is uh, Patrick Rogers. She ended up losing yesterday in the round of 16. Uh, he's on the Walker Cup team that will be uh, playing here in the next month or so for the United States. He goes to Stanford. Uh, he's simply one of the best amateur players in the world. He's uh, already making a name for himself. And, uh, and here's what Patrick Rogers had to say about playing in the U.S. Amateur. Obviously, those guys are my great friends. Some of my best friends are on that team already. Um, but, you know, you kind of total blinders this week. You're just kind of focusing on what, on what you can control. And I haven't really looked at a lot of leaderboards to obviously I heard. But, you know, I'm just trying to focus on, on my game. And um, it, it's disappointing to see that they miss, but I'm, I'm sure they'll be ready to go. Does just show how unpredictable this tournament really is? Yeah, I mean, you get 312 players in a tournament and two rounds of stroke play on these, these tough of courses. Uh, uh, a lot can happen, so uh, I'm just happy that I made it through to match play, and uh, now I'm in good position like I was the medalist of the tournament, so just got to go out and play well. And that, of course, was uh, Patrick Rogers. His uh, run in the U.S. Amateur came to an end yesterday, uh, started with 312 players. He made the final 16, but uh, he was, of course, began the the interview by talking about his Walker Cup teammates, all of whom had gone out earlier in the week. So he was the last surviving Walker Cup uh, member to still be playing. So once again, uh, Sunday, 4 to 6 p.m. on NBC. It should be a great take. Uh, the final, uh, final round on Sunday, the last two players playing, and both of them by simply making the finals, will be invited to the Masters as well as other tournaments, including majors, next year. So whoever they are, and Neil Raymond, is, uh, whose uh, audio we just played, is still in the hunt. He's the number one seed, so uh, he may be there on Sunday. And if he's there on Sunday, you're going to be seeing a lot of him in 2014. So that's a lot about golf, but also... Uh, it's the time of year when football is also in full swing, and AP, there's, uh, as always, a lot going on, as always, the SEC with college football, and I said in, my, in the opening segment, you know, the, quote, firestorm created by Steve Spurrier's offhanded comment about Davian Clowney not practicing, and, oh my gosh, it was just like... Uh, a firestorm, to say the least. Uh, the reaction was fast and furious, and Spurrier had to address it quickly to, you know, put it to bed. What were your thoughts on all of that? Yeah, Spurrier, <laughs> he's always one to, to uh, you know, motivate people in different ways. Maybe that's his way of just getting under the skin of a superstar player, but it sure created headlines across the country, and but it was quickly resolved, and I think everything will be okay in Columbia for, for Clowney to be in that opening game. Yes, if his purpose in doing this was to, you know, send the message to Clowney, it worked because Clowney was at practice the very next day. And uh, But, you know, in the same light, I think to, to say it was, quote, a distraction for Spurrier would be an understatement. I mean, he had to, <laughs> yeah. 
you know, it was just, you know, gigantic. The way it blew up. There's no other way to say it. Yeah, maybe it backfired on him a little bit, but he's, he's always been one to kind of toy with the media and different people. So he, he's, he's a, you know, a veteran at that game. To say the least, he, uh, yeah, he, he knows how to push buttons like oh, no yeah. one. That's oh, for yeah. sure. Oh, yeah, and, and I think I was reading something about the defensive coordinator, uh, Lorenzo Ward, said something about Clowney as well. Maybe he doesn't play as hard on every every snap. And, and you know, John, some of those guys, they, they're so talented. I think they get bored sometimes, really. And uh, they wait till the, the, the lights are the brightest and the game is the biggest before they – want to shine out there so maybe maybe it's something they're trying to you know as a coaching staff motivate Clowney for this upcoming season to just play harder and and help his teammates uh you know be a be a more of a leader yeah well you think he'd be ready for the first game it's against North Carolina if I'm not mistaken correct right sure is yeah that's and that's a you know those two states and I'm sure he's excited about playing I'm sure oh yeah the Tar Heels well Clowney of course was the number one pick coming out of high school, the number one recruit, I should say, not pick. And, uh, you know, his first year or two were, were solid, but not really, you know, uh, he, he wasn't a household name, and granted he's a defensive lineman. But yeah. ever since that hit against Michigan, the Michigan running back in the bowl game last year, he is certainly a household name and just the consensus number one pick, to say the least. Oh, oh, yeah, if you have a Heisman moment, John, and it, then it'll be replayed a jillion times on television between the end of last season and the beginning of this this season. Uh, you know, John, the first time I saw him play, he was a high school all-star in the Under Armour game in St. Petersburg, Florida. Wow. And, you know, he was you know, tall, six foot six, long legs, long arms. He just had a, an outstanding first step to that quarterback, he looked like a power forward out there that, you know, be a quarterback's nightmare. And he he stood out for me in that game. He was one of the better athletes I saw. And I, you could tell he was going to be a great player in college, uh, you know, very athletic. Uh, he, he set the school record, John, last year for sacks with 13. And then he had also had 23 and a half tackles for a loss. So he, he's starting to put up some big numbers now uh just to give you an idea let's say 13 sacks Derek thomas at alabama uh, his senior had 27 in one year just wow get, i mean and of course they didn't pass as much back then but he and teddy bruski they both hold the ncaa record with 52 so career in sacks seasons, in college yeah, in two seasons he's had 21 21 sacks just to give you an wow. idea but of course uh Today's passing game is one of timing and releasing the ball within less than three seconds, probably most of the time. Right, it's not all about pocket passing, which leads to sacks, like you, like back in the day. Right, right. right. But, and, and speaking of back in the day, I mean, I think he will be the number one pick, assuming he has a good year. Because you know, growing up in Pittsburgh, what I always remember and many people forget is that you know Chuck Knowles' first ever pick. Uh, when he became the Steelers head coach in 1969, uh, you know, was Mean Joe Green. And that is the cornerstone upon which the Steeler dynasty, ar- arguably the greatest team ever, was built, was on a defensive lineman. And uh, I could see Clowney 
being along those lines. I really could. Yeah, John, I think you're correct. You know, I've heard people say that he might be the best defensive prospect in 10 years. And that's a mouthful. That is. Absolutely. Absolutely, to say the least. Uh, well, it's going to be fun. You, you know, I, I don't think it's very often that, uh, you know, we can all sit down, in other words, go out of our way for appointment television to sit down and watch a defensive lineman. But I really think that, you know, America's football-watching public feels that way about this guy. I know I will. I, if, if South Carolina's on, I will go out of my way to sit down and watch a defensive lineman, obviously clowny. And I think there's a lot of people feeling the same way. Yeah, I've always enjoyed watching that speed rusher from the edge. There's something about it. You want to see if he's going to defeat the tackle and you can chase down the quarterback and disrupt every, you know, the offense and, you know, have the other coach on the sideline, you know, throwing his hat or raising his arms and, you know, chewing out the offensive line coach. But it's always interesting to watch somebody who's exceptional, um, you know, rushing the quarterback. Correct. And we here in New England uh, have a pretty good idea of what that can mean. Uh, the famous Super Bowl back in uh, the mid-90s, Packers, Patriots. Uh, Patriots were basically had come back and were on a track to win that game. It felt like they were going to win that game. And then who showed up but Reggie White and basically took over the last five minutes of that game, sacking Drew Bledsoe twice on two gigantic plays. And that was it. Next thing you know, Packers win the Super Bowl, and that's that. And uh, so, you know. Never doubt the importance of a defensive lineman in potentially, you know, deciding, literally deciding the outcome of a game as Reggie White did that Super Bowl. Oh, oh yeah, they're, they're money players, John. You know, they're like left tackles, quarterback position, uh, lockdown cornerbacks. Those are the guys who get the money in my book. I'm, I'm going to pay an edge rusher and those other players I mentioned. Those are the ones who will get my money. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, it's uh, the season is less than two weeks away, if I'm not mistaken. So, first game is a week from last night, and uh, can't wait, as they say. Oh, oh yeah, I can't wait, John. I mean, uh, this year you don't know what's going to happen. It's the last year of the BCS, and uh, you know Ohio State's back in the mix. Stanford and Oregon on the West. Uh, you know, you have, uh, you know, let's see if Texas can make a comeback. they got a bunch of talent down there. I don't know if they not sure how to coach them, but uh, they're contenders. You know, Georgia's got a good quarterback. Alabama's trying to three-peat. Uh, Florida State can overcome and, and finally make a dent in, in the national rankings, you know, by showing up to play every week and, and not stumbling uh, during the season. You know, South Carolina with Clowney and Spurrier, you know, Louisville, you know, last year in the in the uh, in that conference, they have that Heisman Trophy candidate Bridgewater. Uh, you know, Clemson still trying to see if they can defend enough because they have plenty of offense. You know, could they get themselves in the championship game? So there's a lot of storylines uh, to look at, and nobody's even really talking about LSU. Hey, right, you know, it's a strange year when nobody's talking about LSU because they have been an absolute power. Uh, the last number of years. And, uh, well, with that said, we still have more to go, but let's take our final break, and we'll continue with this topic on the other side. 
internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. This week on The Revolution with Jim and Trav, that's presented to you by Outdoor Channel. Hey, we're talking wolves and the pros and cons of them with David Allen from the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and Minnesota Deer Hunter Association Executive Director, Mark Johnson. Ah, we're a wolf pack with uh, Jeff Hagner, who's the Director of Montana Fish, Wildlife, and Parks, and finally, Mrs. Bonnie. And it's brought to you by Outdoor Channel and Ram Trucks. Wednesdays at 1 Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now, Back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And uh, A.P., I felt like a little kid again yesterday when I went to my mailbox and there waiting for me was the annual college football preview from Sports Illustrated. I've been subscribing since I was about eight years old. (laughs) And when I was a a teenager, you know, well, pretty much from age eight on, it was simply the highlight of my year. Because, you know, as I've mentioned often on the show, I grew up in the shadow of Penn State. So it was always, you know, where was Penn State going to be in the rankings? And, you know, let's just face it. This is how we got the news back in those days. It just is. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I wasn't going on the Internet for the co- coaches poll. I was waiting for the Sports Illustrated college football preview in the mailbox. <laughs> and it happened yesterday. And, again, I felt like I was 13 years old. I really did. It was just like, <laughs> you, you know, um, I'm walking back from the mailbox, flipping through it. I couldn't even wait to, like, you know, get to back to my house to open it up and, and, you know, see what the top 25 looked like. And uh, no surprise, the team you cover, Alabama, number one, they're going for three in a row. We're, we're in, four, in four out of five. We're talking history here, to say the least. Yeah, it'd be unbelievable if they were to three-peat. And, of course, they would be the only team in the BCS to three-peat because that's going to be gone. Next year's the last time for that. So, uh, and nobody, you know, Alabama's never done it. Three Pete, they had a good shot in the 60s and the 70s, but things didn't work out in the polls. It probably should have happened twice for them, but it didn't. But this is, uh, would be quite a way to end the BCS era and, and move on to the college football playoff system, uh, for the following year. Uh, so, you know, AJ McCarron is one, two, and he has never been done by an Alabama quarterback to have two as a starting quarterback to have three would be, phenomenal because most of the times, John, a star quarterback is not there uh, four years. 
uh, AJ, he was a red-shirted player, and uh, as a freshman, he was being red-shirted. He already has a ring, and then he has two other ones. He could have four rings uh, out of the five years, which uh, very few individuals can make that statement. I assume that would be a record that could never be broken, right? Yeah, I would think so. It could only be tied, I'm guessing. Yeah, maybe tied, not broken, yeah. Yeah, well, it's just funny when you make that analogy about the BCS and Alabama could set a record that will never be broken since it's the last year. It reminds me, I went to see the Eagles uh, play a couple weeks ago nearby, and they were just absolutely fabulous. And I watched that wonderful documentary on them where basically their manager held up their greatest hits album and said it's the it's the best selling album of the twentieth century, and, and it will remain that way forever because obviously we're in the twenty first century. And I I like the statement so much I went to iTunes and bought the album just so I have it on my on, on my iPhone and uh, and that's what you're saying like same thing about Alabama like you know, you know a record that really can never be broken. No, because, no. Uh, John, you have a, another team in there. Do you like? I mean, you're looking over those rankings. There's somebody that catches your eye. Well, first and foremost, I was very happy to see Michigan at number 18 because you and I will both be in attendance covering the visit of Michigan, the somewhat rare visit of Michigan uh, here to the Northeast when they play UConn on September 21st. There's already buzz generating. Here in the Boston area, and you're down in uh, Connecticut, which is where it's all going to be happening. So I was glad to see that, uh, you, you know, right off the top. And then the other thing I was just glad to see was, you know, and this was the theme of the Sports Illustrated preview issue, was basically Revenge of the Nerds. It's the fact <laughs> that the, quote, smart schools, for lack of a better word, uh, you know, are making major noise. Uh, you know, in major college football these days. Let's start with Stanford being rated number two in Sports Illustrated. They were top five in every other poll. And then you have the likes of, you know, Northwestern, Vanderbilt. Uh, you know, in the top 25, you have Duke uh, just, you know, arriving on the scene. They're, they're a player now where they certainly weren't before. So, yeah, again, you know, it's a great just sort of thing, I feel, for college football, to put it mildly. Northwestern's 22, Vanderbilt's ranked 23. Again, you know, Stanford number two. You have, it's amazing. They lose Jim Harbaugh as their coach. They lose Andrew Luck. Uh, Nothing more need be said there. And yet, here they are at number two under Coach David Shaw. It's a remarkable story. It really is. But, John, you know, you mentioned being a subscriber for all those years, did you ever feel in your lifetime you would see Vanderbilt, Northwestern, Stanford all in the top 25? I don't think I'd, I ever dreamed such an event would take place. Never. Absolutely true. You know, Stanford has always been, you know, pretty good. I mean, you know, I remember the days of Jim Plunkett and the like, and, you know, they've had some great, and Randy Vitaha. Right. And, uh, but so so they've been on the scene, but no Northwestern, Vanderbilt are were two of the all time patsies of you know past decades, shall we say? So no, of course you'd never thought you'd see those all three of them in the in the, in the top twenty five and Stanford number two. 
I don't know that that's ever really happened before I, off the top of my head. Yeah, I, I can't remember when they've been preseason number two. I'd have to really research that information because, like you say, they've had they've had some good teams through the years, but I think uh, last year might have been the first year they won that Rose Bowl in maybe three decades or so. Correct. And uh, they also beat Oregon at Oregon in one of the top, top college football games of the year. I was watching that game live. It was a stunner, to say the least. And uh, so, yeah, no, I mean, they're for real and have been for a long time, actually. Yeah, I think if Stanford can win that North Division of the Pac-12 or Oregon, whoever wins that North Division, they'll host that championship game. And, you know, the other in the South Division, Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, UCLA, USC, Utah, I think that North Division has the strongest teams. So the battle for supremacy really is in the regular season to win that North Division. And I think you 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 know might have sewn up your, your Rose Bowl or BCS hopes. Absolutely. Well, again, it's great to be talking about it again. We're less than two weeks away from the first college football game of the year. Uh, how awesome is that? And just as we close, uh, interested to hear the to see and hear the new Fox Sports debuting tomorrow. Uh, I think it's just going to be great to have a new uh, a new player on the scene, shall we say? Yeah, competition always makes everyone better, or at least it should. Absolutely. Well, they're coming out. You know, they have a team from Canada that they're going to come out with a sports center type show uh, with, again, a pretty popular duo from Canada. So uh, I, I think they're going to get a lot of, lot of interest, uh, you know, just for the sheer sake of competition. Uh, so it should be fun. Not every day that we have a, a new sports network debuting, but tomorrow is that day. Yeah, for us sports-crazed uh, media people and fans, uh, it's, a, it's a great day. It is a great day. Well, AP, once again, great job. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for uh, turning us all on to your interview with Elena Deladon and, uh, of the Chicago Sky and the WNBA. And uh, Voice America, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. We look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.